way you worship this morning. I really appreciate that. Chris, I appreciate the old rugged cross. That took me back to several congregations ago, and it's just sometimes we forget about those old songs and how near and dear and great they are, and I appreciate that so much. It really touched my heart as we sang that. Good to have each of you with us today. Today we're going to be in the prophets. Our bulk of our study is going to come from the book of Ezekiel, but we're going to stop first in the book of Jeremiah. So I encourage you to get your Bibles out or your phones and Get working over the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. We'll be there in just a moment. And we are delighted and welcome each of you who are with us, especially our guests. We're thankful you could be with us today as we try to put God before all things. We try to honor him and to observe how great and wonderful he is. We lift him up, and that means so much to us. Last week I was in Dallas. It was hot. It's been hot here, but it was 105. And someone there said, does it ever get to be 105 in Indiana? I said, if it does, I think I lost my soul. You know, that's just hot. But we're glad to have a place to worship that's comfortable. We're glad to have so many people that do so many wonderful things behind the scenes that make all the difference for us, that makes it so helpful. Throughout our land, there's all kinds of reminders of the great men and women who've made a difference in this country. There are heroes, and heroes come in different sizes and different fashions. We have national holidays that recognize this. We have battlefields that we remember. There are monuments, such as the Marine Monument, to honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice to help us be who we are. In the hills of Dakota, there's this monument of four of the American presidents. The first president, Washington, and then Jefferson, who, signed, or who wrote the Declaration. And then there's Lincoln, and then there's Teddy Roosevelt. All of them were heroes. And when we think about heroes of the Bible, our first thought generally is to go to Hebrews chapter 11, because there we find the heroes of God all listed there. But long before Hebrews 11 was written, in the little book of Ezekiel, God brings up three names, heroes, and I want to talk with you about them today. Powerful things about this. We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. But before we do that, we've got to kind of put Ezekiel in your mind, where it is and where it fits in. Ezekiel is in the midst of all what we call the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. But it's one of the last books written. Ezekiel and Daniel is right before the Babylonian captivity. The nation of Israel, the ten tribes of the north, were already gone by the time the book of Ezekiel is written. And it was a time when the wheels had come off the nation. God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And the nation was stuck in following idolatry. From the kings down, they were corrupt and ungodly. And so to look at that, just to get a background on what's going on here, in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 6, we read a little bit about the background, what's taking place here. This helps us understand what's going on in the book of Ezekiel. Jeremiah chapter 6, and begins verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed. Can you imagine as a school teacher? Can you imagine as a parent? Some of you might have been there already. You're trying to talk to your child, and the child simply says, I can't hear you. That's what God is saying to his people. I'm giving you warning. I'm trying to save you. But you got your hands on your ears. You will not listen. Read on with me. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. 
But I am full of wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it on the children in the street and on the gathering of the young men together. For both husband and wife shall be taken, the aged and the very old. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. From the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. From the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abominations they had done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I will punish them. They will be cast down, says the Lord. Verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Verse 17 continues, I said, watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. And over in the book of Habakkuk, it talks about time when Habakkuk was talking about these times. And there was much violence going on. Why won't you do something, God? And God said he is. And what he brings is the Babylonians, this terrible, terrible nation, to punish his people simply because they no longer were listening to God and what God was doing. So our, our text today comes from Ezekiel 14. The beginning of the chapter it reads this way. It says, Then some elders of the Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set their idols in their hearts. They have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Verse 6 continues, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols and turn from your faces away from all your abominations. And then our heart of our text today begins in verse 14. Even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they depopulated it, and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of the beasts, these three men were in its midst. As I live, declares the Lord, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate." Oh, if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it, deliver only themselves by their righteousness. It continues on, verse 18. Even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord, they could not deliver either their sons or the daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Oh, if I should send a plague against that country and pour out my wrath and the blood on it and cut off man and beast from it, even though Dan Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord, they could not deliver either the sons or the daughters. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. It's interesting how the Lord brings out this. Several times it referred to as these three, or Noah, Daniel, and Job, these three, they could not do these things, these three. And so when you think about your Old Testament and all the Bible studies you've had, all the names you have, God brings up these three. Noah, Daniel, and Job. 
Noah's from the book of Genesis. We know the story of Noah and the flood. How every thought was evil continually upon the man. And only Noah and his family were saved. Job, we remember, Job comes from this same time period of the book of Genesis. And Job was a personal battle between him and Satan. And, and all the suffering and all the things he went through. And his faithless friends, who they were telling him it's his fault. But Daniel's unique. Daniel's a contemporary. The book of Daniel had not been written when Ezekiel was written. Daniel had not been to the lion's den yet. And yet Daniel, a contemporary, one among them, God is bringing up and saying, if these three righteous people were right here among you, it would make no difference. And that's a thought. All three of these men were holy. All three were faithful in the storms of life. All three were victorious through their faith in the Lord. And Ezekiel's point, as he brings up these three, is that first of all, they could not stop the judgment of God. He again would say in verse 14, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves. They can't stop what God has planned for that nation. They could not save the nation. And they could not even save their own families, their sons and their daughters. Only they could save themselves. And when we look at these three, how interesting God pulls them out. He doesn't pull out Abraham. He doesn't pull out someone else that we might say who's very faithful to God. But Noah, Daniel, and Job. Noah is a man who was different in the culture he lived in. How everyone was thinking evil. But Noah. Noah was called blameless and righteous by God. Noah was one who seemed to be understanding what God wanted him to do through all these things. And Noah was one who followed God and did exactly as God wanted him to do. Daniel, a contemporary, present man, was a man who didn't allow circumstances to change him. Sent to Babylon, given a Babylonian name, given Babylonian foods, taught the Babylonian ways, but he remained a Hebrew faithful to God. He did not allow his circumstances to change him. And Job was a man who, trying to deal with what's going on in his life and all the things that were going on in his life, comes to us as a man who refused to listen to his friends, who were blaming him for all the things that were taking place. How interesting it is to see this. And what this brings up for us is the subject of righteousness. Noah was righteous, Job was righteous, and Daniel was righteous. And what God was looking for in that nation was righteousness. Righteousness is the idea of doing what is right. It's not how I feel, it's not what I think, it's what God declares. And so righteousness is more than just going to church. Righteousness is more than singing old, old hymns as much as we love them. Righteousness is more than just visiting with one another. Righteousness is involving being right with God. And so we, we look at some concepts about this. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist begins this way in chapter 1, verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows what is right. God knows what's in our hearts. He would say in chapter 15 of the book of Psalms, 
O Lord, who shall abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Chapter 11, verse 7. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. What does God want from you? What does God want from me? To be righteous. That's what God wants. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Again, some passages. Psalms 85. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Listen to this next phrase. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Isn't that a neat phrase? Righteousness and peace and truth and loving kindness, they all go together. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for heaven. Oh, I want to go to heaven. That's not what the passage says. Before heaven, you must be righteous. Blessed are those who want to be right with God. Not guilty, not wrong, but righteous. Again, in our New Testament, the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. That's probably the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. It's found at least three or four other places in the book of Romans and other places. Second Timothy, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Noah, Daniel, Job. Of all those Old Testament names, God put out those three names. They were righteous. That's what God was saying. Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And we remember what James says about the prayer of a righteous man, it accomplishes much. So when we think about righteousness, it's a direction, a characteristic, a way of life. It's a desire to be right by God. And again, notice some passages that emphasize this concept. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first what? Not heaven. The righteousness of God. He would say in 1 Timothy 6, But flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness. To the young man, he would say in 2 Timothy 2, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. You see that? What are you after? I'm after enough money that I can retire. I'm after a second home. I'm after this. I'm after that. God says be after righteousness. Be righteous. And so when we think about righteousness, It reminds us that it is personal. That's one of the reasons why Ezekiel brings up those three names. Can you imagine this morning, as we assembled this morning, and Chris was leading us in our song, three old guys and robes walked in. Hi, I am Noah. He sits right beside you. Hello, my name is Job. He probably has all kinds of things on him. Hi, I'm Daniel. Would that change how you sang? Would that change how you took the Lord's Supper? Would that change how you thought about God? And what Ezekiel is doing, he's saying, even if these three men roamed among us, 
it wouldn't change because they can only save themselves. Righteousness comes from within. It comes from within. It's personal. It's based upon the word of God. It comes from within. In your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. And notice how Jesus brings this up. Matthew 23 and begin verse 25. Matthew 23, begin verse 25. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You see, they look good on the outside. They took a bath and put on a tie and went to church. They put on a dress and combed their hair and threw on some jewelry. They look nice, but while they're sitting there, Ugly thoughts are running through their mind. They are not righteous. They just have an appearance. He goes on and says, verse 26, You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, so that the outside may become clean also. Woe to you, verse 27, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which are on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, too, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And that's what God sees. And so when we think about righteousness, it comes from within. So here's this illustration I saw this week. Love it. So you're somewhere, got a cup of coffee. My story would be a Coke. Somebody bumps you, and you spill that. In this case, you spill on your keyboard. Dude, man, that's a bad day. And someone says, well, well, why did you spill your coffee? Well, somebody bumped me. Wrong answer. No, somebody bumped me. Wrong answer. Why did you spill your coffee? Because coffee was in your cup. If I had tea in my cup, I would spill tea. If I had nothing in my cup, nothing would have come out. What happens when life bumps you? What comes out? Anger, hatred, bitterness. I am the victim. I'm thinking about quitting, or gratitude, thankfulness, love. You see, what comes out of the cup, what spills out of the cup, is what's in the cup. Righteousness, that's what we're talking about. And then we understand that righteousness begins with our faith in God. It begins with God. That's what righteousness is all about. And then righteousness is illustrated, it's demonstrated by our obedience to God's word. Don't tell me that you love God, but you don't do what the Bible says. If you love God, Jesus said, you'll do what I said. And so that's the concept of righteousness. So with these three names, Noah, Daniel, and Job, here's three lessons I want you to learn. Number one, when it's difficult, you can do what's right. No, I can't. Yeah, Noah. Noah. We have right now in this building more people than that were in the ark. You ever think about that? Well, you know, no one in my family is a Christian. You know, you got fellowship right here, don't you? And this is one congregation. We have congregations all over the world that are standing for Jesus. And when you say it's difficult and I can't do what's right, there's Daniel. And what they did is they saw Daniel praying later on. And they made a law about that. And said, Daniel, you broke the law. You were praying. You have to go to the lion's den. He went to the lion's den. He was not going to change. And there's old Job hurting. His family died. And what happened was 
everyone get, turned his back. Even his own wife said, Job, curse God and die. He remained righteous. It can be hard. It can be very hard upon us. But you can do what is right. You can do what is right because God wants you to. When you're working in a toxic environment, he says, you know, I just can't do this. Noah, Daniel, and Job says you can do this. When you have a family situation and it seems like everyone's against you, I can't deal with this. Noah, Daniel, and Job tell you, yes, you can deal with this. And when you hurt on the outside and you hurt on the inside and you just want to quit, Noah, Daniel, and Job remind us of these things. Secondly, when no one else is doing right, you can do what's right. Again, what better names? Noah, Daniel, and Job. Think about Noah. The entire world was crazy in his world, and no one was doing what's right but Noah and his family. Think about Daniel. How all around him was Babylonians. How all around him was pagans. Yet he did what was right. How about Job? Everyone gave up on him. Righteous people, listen to this. Righteous people don't become righteous, start being righteous when hard times come. They were already righteous. God didn't say, Noah, build a boat, and then maybe you'll be righteous. He was righteous before he built the boat. Daniel was righteous before he went to the lion's den, and Job was righteous before he had the first turmoil in his life. They were already righteous, and that's what we need to see. And then number three, when God's people are weak, you can do what's right. You can do what's right. And I believe this is why Ezekiel is bringing up these three. The nation at that time was weak. The nation from the king down was bowing down to idols. The nation was giving up on God. Noah, Daniel, Job. Think about these three. You can be strong when everyone else is weak. Turn with me in your Bible, the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And again, just, just reminders from great passages that help us see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and the first five verses. Here the apostle says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the crowd, cloud, and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud, in the sea. All drank the same spiritual food. All drank the same, uh, same drink. For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased. Why? Because they were weak spiritually. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, if you will. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, as John introduces this book through the Holy Spirit, he takes us through seven churches. And in chapter 3, we read about the church of Sardis. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, and you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which you are about to die, for I found your deeds, I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received, and heard, and keep it, and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come upon you. Focus on verse 4. But you have a few people in Sardis who've not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Are you among the faithful few, or are you among the majority? Noah, 
Daniel and Job tells me, even if this entire congregation becomes weak spiritually, even if we die spiritually, we may still assemble, but we could be dead spiritually, I don't have to be like that. Noah, Daniel, Job, tell me I can be righteous to God no matter what you do. My faith is not in this church. My faith is not in this building. My faith is in Jesus. And we've got to get that. Sometimes when our faith is through the church, if the church is stinky, then my faith is stinky. If things are great, my faith is great. Our faith is independent of the you. Our faith is independent of the congregation. Our faith is directed to Jesus Christ. So I can be righteous when other people are not. A weak faith will bow down to the pressures of the ungodly. And a weak faith changes and finds what is safe or easy. And a weak faith will not help you, nor will it save you. And so from this, the vertical perspective. Chris, vertical is which direction? Up and down. Okay? Vertical, up and down. The vertical perspective will keep you from having a horizontal crisis. We focus so much on the horizontal, we forget about the vertical. My faith in God will get me through this. How do I know this? Noah, Daniel, Job. That's how I know that. So rather than looking around, I need to look up. Rather than waiting for others to start, you start. Rather than doing as little as possible, do as much as you can. Because what we think about as Ezekiel brings up these three names, he brings up great reminders of how important it is to walk with God. As we wrap this up, let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. It's amazing to me that the Holy Spirit brings up Daniel. Because Daniel was still alive. And they could have gone see Daniel. And they could say, dude, Daniel, of all the people in the Bible, God chose you. And here you are. That's amazing. Can you imagine the Lord of heaven and earth choosing a contemporary among us? And saying that righteous person, that righteous woman, that righteous family, all they've had prodigals, all they've had cancer, all they've had turmoil, all they've had trouble, but you know what they've done? They have stayed with me. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, after Peter is preaching that first Pentecost sermon there, with many other words, he saw me testified, kept on exerting them, be saved from this perverse generation. King James Version says, save yourself. You ever been on the airplane? I fly a lot. I can, I can repeat what they always say. Now you're going to talk about this little oxygen thing falling down. Put your mask on first before you put it on your children. You got somebody elderly, you put your mask on first, then you put it on them. The idea is, if I'm passed out, I can't help anybody else. I got to take care of myself first. Save yourself. Be righteous. And just a simple, simple little thing. Ezekiel brings up three people. And so if these three people were right here, they wouldn't help us. They wouldn't help us because you have got to help yourself. 
And so as we wrap this up, that's what we have to ask ourselves. How am I doing with Jesus? How am I doing in my faith? All the church, don't go there. All the Bible classes, don't go there. All those preachers, don't go there. What about you and Jesus? Noah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Not Ezekiel, but Job. In the book of Ezekiel. Three names. Three names brought out to remind them how important being right with God is. So this morning, as God looks down upon this, if he would say, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's a whole bunch of them there, there's several back here, would God point to you and say, you are one of my righteous ones. Where you work, you're trying to make a difference. In your home, you're trying to make a difference. In your community, you're trying to make a difference. Are you one of the righteous? When you, get to, when you get before the throne of God, God's not going to open up the book and say, okay, the month of July, you, you attended every service in 2023. Come on in. No. He doesn't care about that so much. That's part of it. But that's not the key. What he's going to look at is, have you been righteous? Have you been right with me? Doesn't matter what your family says. Don't matter what your friends say. Don't matter what you yourself says. I know I'm doing right. Is that what this says? Being righteous. So this morning, if we can help you, we want you to be right with God. Doesn't matter what the church says. You've heard me say this before. You know, this guy went to the doctor one day. He was overweight and smoked. Doctor wrote a little prescription. He came out in the waiting room. His wife was there, showed him the prescription. Got to exercise, got to lose weight, got to quit smoking. His wife looked at that and says, honey, I can help you. He said, nope, not going to do this. I'm going to find me a fat doctor that smokes. And that's what a lot of people do today. I'm going to find me a church that says I'm okay. Well, the church doesn't say you're okay. God does. I'm going to find a friend that says I'm okay. Doesn't matter. It's God who makes you righteous. So if we can help you, if you need to be baptized, won't you do it now as we stand, as we sing.